Hey, Brian Johnson here with Mid City Vineyard Church. Mid City Vineyard is located in the heart of New Orleans, Louisiana. We worship on Saturday nights at 6 o'clock. If you want to learn a little bit more about us, check us out online, midcityvineyard.org, Facebook, Mid City Vineyard Church, and on Instagram at Mid City Vineyard. Also, we know that many of you enjoy listening to the podcast but are not able to actually worship with us. And if you would like to donate to the ministry of Mid City Vineyard, uh, you can do so by going to our website, midcityvineyard.org, and pressing on the Donate button. Or you can text the letters MCV to 77977 and donate through the app. Super easy right there. And we greatly appreciate that. Tonight, uh, on this podcast, we are finishing our series, Breathing Underwater, as we've been looking at spirituality and the 12 steps for the last number of weeks. This week, our friend Newman Sanders concludes the series with constant continuation. So let's head on over to the podcast. Much peace to you. Father, Son, and Spirit, tonight, in this place of worship, we lift up our Jewish brothers and sisters who were in their space of worship this morning, Lord, who had their lives, some tragically ended, and others, their lives changed forever in a moment. And Lord, today, as, as, as people of peace, and as people of the way, as your people, Lord, those who have laid aside violence and those who have taken on the mantle of peace, just like we sang tonight. And when you say, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be the ones who are known as the children of God. Lord, tonight, may we continue to grow in the ways of peace. And Lord, in a world that is so intent on tearing itself apart, in a world that is so distorted by violence and anger and hatred. Lord, we pray that love would shine brighter. Even tonight, for our brothers and sisters in that, that place, Lord, may they experience your presence, may they experience your kindness, may they experience your mercy, may they experience your comfort and your love in some very tangible way, shape, or form. And Lord, this is why we pray your kingdom come, your will be done, because we know what took place there this morning. That was not your kingdom. That was not your way. And so we pray for more of your kingdom and your way. And we say, start with us here and now, continuing to teach us the ways of your kingdom, the ways of your realm, the ways of your life. And so, Spirit of God, may your kingdom come. May your will be done. May your rule come. May your way of life be done. May your politic come. May your reign be done right here on earth in mid-city in our lives as it is in heaven continue to grow us and use us and bring comfort to our brothers and sisters tonight and we pray these things to you god our father through the holy spirit in the name of jesus amen, amen. hey well tonight we are going to conclude our series. We've been in a series for the last 13 weeks called Breathing Underwater. It's been a fantastic series for so many. I know I've gotten so many comments and just 
uh, the way that you've been shaped and the way that you've been formed uh, and been forming through this series. And so tonight we are going to close out with the 12th step as we are looking at the spirituality, uh, spirituality and the 12 steps, breathing underwater for these last number of weeks. And tonight to close us out, Newman is going to be teaching once again. So Newman, why don't you come on? Had I known I was going to teach tonight, I would have had something prepared. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, guys, thank you all for being here tonight. And uh, I just wanted to say this before I get started. Uh, I don't take this place where I'm standing tonight. I don't take it for granted. And uh, um, I just wanted to say that before I get started. I feel... I feel honored to be up here and uh, share this message with you guys tonight. I just wanted to start by reading two things. Uh, and one is uh, Matthew 10.8. And it's just a simple line that says, what was given to you freely, you must give away freely. And the second thing comes from this book. This, this is, and I'm not, I'm not going to turn this, in, this teaching into a recovery thing, but this is a big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and, and it goes along with the 12 steps. And what it is really, guys, is a, more than a, a, a recovery program, which it is, but if, it's a design for living. Who, uh, it, could, it could be applied to anything um, in your life. And this program was written by a man named Bill Wilson, who started Alcoholics Anonymous, and he wrote this after his last drunk. It's short. Uh, Trembling, I stepped from the hospital, a broken man. Fear sobered me up for a bit. Then came the insidious insanity of that first drink. It was on Armistice Day, 1934, and I was off again. Everyone became resigned to the certainty that I would have to be shut up somewhere or would stumble along to a miserable end to death. How dark it is before the dawn. In reality, that was the beginning of my last drunk. I was soon to be cut, I was soon to be catapulted into what I like to call the fourth dimension of existence. I was to know happiness, peace, and usefulness in a way of life that is incredibly more wonderful as time passes. And he wrote that. Uh, what he said right after his last drunk, before he wrote this program. So, in a letter uh, to Bill Wilson shortly before his death, the psychiatrist Carl Jung wrote, you see, alcohol in Latin is spiritus. And you see the same word used for the highest 
religious experience as well as for the most depraving poison. The word can be used both ways. A father put his son to bed as he had become, as had become a habit, as become had become a priority to do since his newly found freedom from his addiction because he had missed out on those little things for his whole life, the small pleasures in life, like, like being able to put your son to bed. At bedtime prayer that he shared with his son as he got down on his knees and they prayed a simple prayer. Now that I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. But on this particular occasion, the son prayed. If I should wake before I die. And he apologized. Uh, to his father. He said, Father, I'm sorry. I messed up the prayer. The father looked at his son and he said, thought about it for a second, and then said, Son, that was the first time I've ever heard that prayer prayed right. If I should wake before I die. You see, his father's deepest desire was that his son wake before he died much as by the grace of God, those of us who have suffered these things, these addictions, whatever that might mean to you, then we can be addicted to the way we think. We can be addicted to thinking that someone's skin color makes them lesser of a human being than we are, right? We can be addicted to drugs, to alcohol, to sex food, addicted to just the way you think. You see, our Father, much as by the grace of God, those of us who have suffered with these addictions are waking up into a new life before our certain spiritual or even, even our physical death these things will kill you, man. They're not a joke, right? We have been guided by our Father, our Lord and Savior, to a new birth, uh, to a new uh, spiritual awakening. Isaiah 38, 16 through 17 and 19 says, You have cured me and given me life. My suffering has turned to health. It is you who kept my soul from the pit of nothingness. You have thrust all my sins behind your back. The living, the living are the ones who praise you, as I do today. We've been on this series, Breathing Underwater, now for about 14 weeks, I think, with a break or two in there. 
a couple of times. And uh, I just want to take just a minute to kind of recap things. Um, we're on step 12 tonight, but I just kind of want to briefly uh, go through the steps again so that you guys are aware where we came from. And uh, step one, two, and three, or step one really is just about admitting that uh, we have a problem and our lives are unmanageable. And it's the only step of the 12 that mentions alcohol, the only one. The others just give you a design for living, no matter what you may be suffering from. It could be anything. Um, anything. And then we made a decision. Uh, we, we started to believe in step two that, that there's something more powerful than we are, a power greater than ourselves that could bring us back to some sort of uh, sanity. Uh, we've already admitted that um, our life is uh, insane. Normal people don't act uh, the way I acted. And then in step three, we make a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand God. And, and we say that because these steps work. Um, if you're Muslim, Jewish, Hindu, wherever you're from, all over the world, this is practiced, these 12 steps. That's the reason that's in there, God of your understanding, because it could be a God from wherever you are, or uh, none at all. You can be agnostic and you're welcome. These steps will work for you as well. And then step four through Seven, we really work on ourselves, our innermost being. Uh, we take an inventory of what's inside of us. See, the, the, the drugs and things are just a symptom of our disease. It's the underlying issues uh, that we work on. We make a list of those things. We confess it to God, to another human being, and to ourselves. Um, then in seven and eight, we uh, ask God to remove them. And then in eight and nine, we make a list of the people we've caused harm to, and we become willing to make amends to all of them, not some of them. But in our heart, in our, deep down in our soul, we become willing. We may never get a chance. I never got a chance to make amends to my grandmothers. They died before I could. I never got a chance to make amends to my friend's father, who I owe an amends to. But I came willing in my heart to make that amends, although it'll never happen. And it hurts. In 10, we, start, we, we, we continue to take personal inventories of ourselves on a daily basis, and we were wrong. Promptly admit it. Promptly admit it. We don't give it time to stew, fester in our souls, and give us reasons to act out things we used to act out. We practice what we've learned. 
in the first nine steps. And then in 11, Brian taught the last two weeks, sought through prayer and meditation uh, to improve our conscious contact with God and praying only for his will for us, for the power to carry that out. We learn to pray, to meditate, and ask God to show us what his will is. This is a maturity thing. This don't come right away. This takes practice. <laughs> Daily practice. It does for me. And then we come to step 12, which we're going to talk about tonight. And step 12 says, having had a spiritual awakening as the results of these steps, we tried to carry this message to the alcoholics and practice these principles. And I'll our affairs. And, and, and so what? What does that mean, really? Having had a spiritual awakening, a spiritual experience. There's as many examples of that as there are people in the world. What your spiritual experience is may not be the same as what mine is. So guys, I, I can't share these things to you from a book can only share you uh, what I've witnessed in my life. Um, to me, it means to repent, to turn around, to walk in a new direction. Um, that's the religious definition of uh, of repent. And I just want to share a few stories with you, and I'll try to get this out without, uh, without too much crying going on. But I had two. I had two really big burning bush experiences that I want to share with you guys. And once was early on uh, in my, my, uh, my road, my experience, and in the beginning, guys, I had no desire to change the way I lived my life. None. I wasn't in the cards. I accepted my fate. I accepted who I was. And I accepted the fact that I was going to die that way or I was going to go to prison. And it was okay. That's all I knew. It's the way I knew to live my life. The way the people I hung out with lived their life. And it was how I lived mine. I was in trouble. I know I told you guys a story, and I'm not going to go that deep into it again. But I was in a lot of trouble, and all I wanted to do was get out of trouble. That was it. And I was forced uh, to go to AA meetings. That's what I found out would get me out of trouble. I was at a meeting one night, and I was sitting in a corner. I didn't want to be there, and I was under this clock. And I'll never forget that. And someone, I, I just wanted to get out of there. I just wanted to get this thing over with. When I came in that room that night, everything I ate and everything I drank tasted like the drugs and the alcohol that I was using, everything. Um, 
And I just wanted to get this thing over with so that I could go back to doing what I was doing, fit. Um, and somebody shared something that made me say a simple prayer, God help me. And was a, what I wasn't prepared for was for God to help me. He came. It came like a flood, like a tidal wave. I was just, um, it just covered me like a, like a feeling of comfort. Like I felt a new life at that moment breathed into me. Um, and I had a spiritual experience that night. When I left that room that night, about five weeks into this thing that I couldn't wait to get over, the compulsion to do the things I was doing and to live the way I lived uh, was lifted from me. And uh, never returned. I've never uh, had the desire to use alcohol or drugs again. From one minute to the next. In a dingy room full of people like me, the marginalized people, the people out on the side, the people that we look down on. Room full of people like that. And another, uh, and along the way, I had, it's, been a, it's been a long journey, really, for me, this spiritual experience thing. A gradual experience, day by day, by practicing these principles that I learned in this program. And along the way, I had been going to church for years. Um, and I signed up for a program that Brian wrote, actually, SKL. I signed up for SKL. Uh, didn't know what I was getting myself into. Really, I had no clue. And it was a spiritual journey like I never uh, knew before. I realized what church was. And it wasn't about showing up in a room for an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday and leaving and going back out and uh, going about your life. I learned that it's a, it's a life of service. It's a life of serving others. Uh, I learned what church was, and it was such a big spiritual awakening to me. Um, and then even more so, I did it again the following year as a, as a group leader for our small group. And it grew me just even further as uh, what service is and what church is like. And it changed my life. It brought me to Mexico for the first time, to another country, to serve in an orphanage. It, it was just part of my spiritual journey. And in this last part, this last little piece I want to share with you guys, kind of brings me to where I stand today. Uh, being able 
uh, to share this message with you all. And man, this is crazy, right? This was crazy. Um, I was in SKL for the first time. This was years ago. Way before I knew Brian and Christy were planting a church. I had no clue. None. And my wife and I were going to something in Luling called Battle for the Cattle, right? It's a gumbo and jambalaya. This is weird. The guy works in strange ways. There's a gumbo and jambalaya contest where you walk around and you taste these things and you vote on who, who's got the best stuff. So anyway, we're on the way there and we're looking for a parking place. And um, I just got this overwhelming feeling. I'm in the wife. I'm in the. I'm in the car with my wife. And I get this overwhelming feeling of God's presence. Um, and, and we aggravated because we can't find a place to park. Right? Everybody's parked on a levee, and they got to walk a long ways. But I get this feeling of the presence of God with us in that car. And I, I had a feeling that I would. The way I said it to Shay that night, that I would preach in a church. And that I would plant a church. I told my wife this. She looked at me like I was crazy because she's trying to find a parking place. <laughs> this is a true story. And she says, Man, you're crazy. You ain't planting no church. <laughs> if you do, I'm not going with you. And you're certainly no preacher. <laughs> and you know what? She was right. And I don't know, a few years later, I was asked to be a part of a church plant sitting in it tonight. And uh, from where the place I'm standing, I think, I'm not preaching, but I'm trying to share a message with you guys. So, so that was a spiritual experience for me. It was a deep, deep feeling of the presence of God and him trying to tell me something. I felt it. I broke down weeping. And it was something that I couldn't explain. Um, that's the first part of that step, uh, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. And that's a direct result of those steps. I found church in the room of Alcoholics Anonymous. I didn't wander in a church. Uh, um, I wandered in there first. They sent me to church. What does it mean to carry the message? You know, this is a anonymous program. We don't talk about people to other people uh, who are in this program. I don't. I won't give anybody else away. Um, say, hey, you know, this guy's in AA. I won't do that. We're not supposed to. But in this particular case, I have permission. Um, so we carry the message. 
to other alcoholics who still suffer. That is our mission, right? I have a man who I sponsor. I have a sponsor sitting here right there. Mr. Glenn is my sponsor, Glenn Chevalier. And, and this man has, I don't even know, Mr. Glenn, how, how many men in this man's life he's walked side by side with through this program? I don't know. It's a whole bunch, man. Thank you, Mr. Glenn. I'm, I'm fortunate to have a sponsor like that man. I'm working with a man who is having a lot of trouble with this program. So he keeps relapsing. But what I'm getting at here is that uh, about sharing a message, sharing a message with other people who still suffer. That's why we do this thing. And I think that what we do in rooms like this as well, in church, we are the people who have to go out and share the message of our God, our Lord, Jesus Christ. If we don't do it, who's going to do it, right? This is our responsibility. There's people who have found our Lord. It's our responsibility in return to, to share this, share this with others who don't have it, who don't understand. And how about the way this thing works? You know, Mr. Glenn is a Vietnam veteran. The guy... I'm working with is a veteran who served two tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. He has two bachelor's degrees. The last, I joined the military one time as a way out. I was running away from my problems and I ran away. I ran away from basic training Went home, got arrested, and discharged other than honorably from the military. Um, the last grade I completed was eighth grade. I was in ninth grade twice <laughs> and went and got my GED. But you see, none of those things matter. None of them do. We are a community of people from all walks of life who are willing to share what we have with others, both in rooms like this and in rooms like that. And those things I went over in the 12 steps, the last part of the 12th step is that we practice these principles in all our affairs. And it's a big learning process for me, it was. And it's part of that spiritual experience that 
I learn these things along the way, and I do. I practice these things in all my decisions. The way I, I, I it's, it, guys, it's a, it's a design for living. Um, I quit drinking a long time ago. Quit doing drugs a long time ago. But I still got those things, that those isms, that made me do those things. So I needed some guidance. And I got it, and I still to this day practice these things in everything I do. You see, we're not the Savior, but we can love others, right? We can love others as our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, loved us. Christ loved us just like he loved people who were marginalized, lepers, prostitutes, homosexuals, tax collectors. Like the people we served breakfast to last week at Sacred Heart. The people that others look on with disdain. You look, look at them like they're lesser than. Those are the people we need to love, guys. They don't get it from us, people, Christians, people like the ones in this room. Where are they going to get it from? Love goes beyond words. Sometimes it's in a spoken silence where we just sit still, and listen without judgment. Sometimes we just need to sit and listen to someone who needs that. Love doesn't just tell people what their problems are, but helps to carry the burdens. We can never forget where we came from. We can never forget where we came from, ever. Not ever. You see, our stories are our greatest gift. That's all I have. That's all I have to share with people who still suffer is the story of my experience, my strength, and my hope. The story of what happened to me. The story of a man who was homeless on the streets outside of this building where I stand tonight and share my story with you. The same man who, the same place where I, we meet on the bayou for our functions, for our, our parties. The same place where I once sat under a tree and smoked crack. The same place where I once shoplifted liquor from the store on the other side of the bayou. And the same place where I helped participate in the baptism of my sister. Same place. I get to stand up here tonight because of the grace of God. A loving God who freely gave me exactly what I needed. Certainly didn't deserve it. Tonight I get to 
have the privilege of standing up here sharing it with you. Guys, we give it away. We give it away so that we can keep it. Give it away so we can keep it. We continue to pass this thing on. In Titus 3, 3 through 5, the apostle Paul is having a conversation with Titus, the apostle Paul. Once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled by others and became slaves to many wicked desires and evil pleasures. But then God, our Savior, our Savior showed us the kindness and love. He saved us, not because of the good things we did, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins and gave us a new life through the Holy Spirit. So Brian started the series off by reading the poem Breathing Underwater by Carol Bailey. I think we should end it the same way. To me, what this beautiful poem says, and man, I've been reading it every night for about a month, and I just broke it down and thought about each line as a form of meditation, form of my spiritual growth. And I think it says exactly what the 12 steps offer us, that we learn to surrender to win, we stop fighting our problems, and we learn to live with them. We become deeply rooted in the solution instead of the problem. For people like me, the solution comes from God's grace and the spirituality that comes from working, living, and practicing these 12 steps in all of my affairs. And in the end, I'm not sure you can really explain this thing. I really don't know that you can. Um, it just works. It just does. Do what it says to do. It works. Breathing underwater. I built my house by the sea. Not the sands, mind you not on the shifting sands. And I built it out of rock, a strong house by a strong sea. And we got well acquainted, the sea and I, good neighbors, not that we spoke much. We met in silences, respectful, keeping our distance, but looking our thoughts across the fence of sand. Always the fence of sand, our barrier. Always the sand between. And then one day, and I still don't know how it happened, the sea came without warning, without welcome even. 
not sudden and swift, but shifting across the sand like wine. Less like the flow of water than the flow of blood. Slow, but coming. Slow, but flowing like an open wound. And I thought of flight, and I thought of drowning, and I thought of death. While I thought the sea crept higher till it reached my door, and I knew then there was neither flight nor death nor drowning. Now when the sea comes calling, you stop being neighbors, well acquainted, friendly, at a distance, neighbors, and you give your house for a coral castle, and you learn to breathe underwater. There's one other thing I wanted to share with you guys, and I'm I'm finished. That's all I can share. Alcoholics Anonymous meetings normally start at eight o'clock till nine fifteen at night all over the world. So get this. A Lord, a God of your understanding. Yet at the end of these meetings, all over the world, a million people are standing and holding hands together, praying the Lord's Prayer same time worldwide. The first 164 pages of this book, which is the design for living that we go by, the word God is mentioned 153 times. I think they might be trying to say something. I don't know. 